I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. Today we look at the glow up or glow sideways, depending on which way you're oriented, of David Tennant into Shuri Gutwa in the latest Doctor Who special. Google are taking AI multimodal and Cameo takes an even more depressing new turn. We certainly have opinions and one of the most divisive opinions amongst uh, little nerds such as ourselves is <laughs> Android versus Apple. It's a tale as old as time. True as it can be. You could uh, put it almost on par with Xbox versus PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that has long separated the Android users from the iPhone users is the little blue text bubble. Now, Paul, your uh, iPhone user, you would be familiar with iMessage. Basically, if you uh, send text messages between iPhones, it comes up blue. But if you get a text message between an iPhone and an Android phone, then it comes up green. So yes. it's, it's basically a way to segregate. <laughs> yeah, it truly really is the Berlin Wall of modern technology. I do, and I do slightly judge people when the message comes in green. I know I shouldn't. There's a slight hierarchical thing there. So so what's, what's, what's happened in this Cold War? Before I get into that, I just want to know, why do you judge people? Actually, that's a good question. Why do I judge people? I mean, I don't particularly feel a reverence for the iPhone, but what's wrong with me? That's interesting because when I went from Android to iPhone, yeah. I actually didn't turn on iMessage for like three years. Huh. I preferred for it to be text. I didn't want to use iMessage. I just like didn't like the idea of it. So I was on an iPhone still doing green bubbles. But what is the demonstrable difference apart from the color for an idiot like me for whom phones are basically small magical boxes, which they do not <laughs> pretend to understand? <laughs> so iMessage is Apple's messaging system that can use either internet or like phone reception. Yeah. Um, and it's a more powerful kind of text message system. Uh, you know, like old school SMS, you could only do a certain number of characters and the photos that would come through were really shitty yeah. uh, and things like that. So iMessage allows you to basically send a lot more data. Um, so you can have higher res photos, longer messages. You can do mm -hmm. reacts and things like that. And it's also end-to-end -end encrypted. So it's more private, essentially. Okay. So it's both the quality of messages that you can send with media and it's the privacy. How do you see this panning out? Is this some kind of, uh, like, is there a lawsuit on, on the right? Like, what's actually, what is the story here? Yeah, like how we had that whole conversation and then you're like, so Rad, why are you telling me this? <laughs> <laughs> actually, a little while ago there was... Um, I don't know if it was a lawsuit, but there was a conversation about people wanting Apple to be required to kind of open up iMessage so that there could be more cross-platform... Synergy? Yeah, synergy. But Apple have declined. However, a couple of days ago, yeah. an app popped up on the Android store called Beeper Mini, okay. and they had found a way to make it so that you could use iMessage with Android, essentially. 
That's just, that's hacking the mainframe stuff. So does that mean if you were messaging someone from an Android or if someone was messaging me from an Android to my iPhone and they read my message, it would say read? Because that's one of my favorite features of iMessage. I mean, I suppose so. I don't know if it had that feature specifically, but I guess that it would because they essentially found a way to connect like directly to Apple's server and use the iMessage system instead of text message. So it had that end-to-end encryption and it had, I believe it was fully featured. So yeah, I would, I would think so. This would be like finding a Louis Vuitton personality. This does not belong <laughs> in that place at that time. So so I uh, can I can I use the app now? Well, you can't because you have an iPhone and it's only on Android. <laughs> okay, okay. We just had this discussion, Paul. Come on. Yeah. Uh, no, but it got taken down about three days later because Apple were not pleased at all. They they well. Actually, the app may still be up. I'm not clear on that, but it no longer works with iMessage because Apple, from their end, found whatever workaround Beeper Mini were using and just patched it right up. So what are the ramifications for the makers of Beeper Mini? Do you think they're going to keep trying or are they donezo? Uh, Well, they make other messaging apps. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do keep trying because it's a very attractive thing to be able to offer. But if it's going to be a game of whack-a-mole, then surely at some point you're just like, ah, let's just keep developing the things that we don't spend a bunch of time, energy, money on that don't get taken down three days later. <laughs> to me, that I'm not a business person, but to me, that seems like good business. Yeah. Speaking of uh, very attractive things that look the same but are quite different, <coughs> the finale of the Doctor Who specials has aired and it involved the regeneration of David Tennant into Shuri Gagwa. And for me, that's just one beautiful thing into another beautiful thing, but already the internet is extremely divided. Now, first of all, Rad, do you care about spoilers? Um, look, generally I do. Yeah. However, for the purposes of this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to put that aside. And also I will admit I'm very behind in Doctor Who. So by the time I catch up, I may mm. have forgotten whatever it is you're about to tell me. That is true. You do have a slightly goldfish-ish memory when it comes to specific things. Maybe we can use that to your advantage. I may be ill. We don't know. <laughs> What you're listening to, <laughs> listeners, is a long-form experiment exploring the macular degenerate... No, macular's eyes. Well, o- ocular. That's also eyes. Basically, what we're going to do is see if Rad remembers this in a few weeks. But before then, okay, I'm going to dive into the regeneration sequence a little bit. So Russell C. Davies is a very, very talented writer, and I chatted with him a few weeks back, Rad, for The Guardian. And, oh, we've been DMing since then, which is interesting. No one cares, Paul. We're just... Fr- we're, we're friends now. I think... I, look, I... You sound like such a pick-me. Oh, my God. I just... I love him so much but he worked on he worked on Queer as Folk and a very British scandal and a bunch of other shows incredible showrunner wonderful writer and he brought Doctor Who back from the dead uh, with Christopher Eccleston's run back in the day and then he did David Tennant and then he shuffled on and just left the show to other people and now he's back and he's back with three big stonking specials and he brought David Tennant back with him it's a really clever way of ramping in people who were fans of the show before he left and also ushering in a new generation So anyway, last night, the world pretty much online anyway exploded when David Tennant's doctor turned into Shuri Gatwa's doctor in a really interesting way. Did he go into the TARDIS, but it wasn't actually the TARDIS. It was like an actual police phone box thing. And there was a cop inside and he got shot because the cop got startled. 
and then he regenerated because of that. The show has yet to become that political. Uh, and when it, okay. I'm gonna, okay. when, although, although there was a serious like subplot which made fun of anti-vaxxers, which was really interesting, Ooh. and there was a massive swipe at Boris Johnson and his politics of hatred and all the uh, all the Brexit stuff. Basically, Russell just went full Russell T Davies, and it was. Absolutely incredible. And listen, just for the next three minutes, 20-ish seconds, if you haven't seen the finale, make sure you skip ahead. Three minutes and 20 seconds should get you to the next very, very silly topic. You've been warned. Here's the thing. Whenever the Doctor regenerates, it's been a plot point for years now. Basically, uh, the first Doctor, William Hartnell, regenerated into Patrick Troughton. It always happens slightly differently. The tech's always different, but the idea is Time Lords, when they get old or killed or die or whatever, change into a different incarnation, right? It's a really handy way to explain in-universe why the actor is different. Now, in James Bond, they just shift actors and they never explain it. In Doctor Who, it's a plot point. So imagine our surprise last night, spoiler alert, when David Tennant gets shot through the heart with a laser and then is okay, and then he asks his friends to pull and he splits into two doctors. Excuse me? It's Okay, first of all, Yeah. I know that he has two hearts, so yeah. is that not like a... Is there something there? <laughs> so... Neil Patrick Harris plays the villain in this story and he's the celestial toy maker and he's basically, he's a god who breaks the rules of reality to play f***ed up games with people and ruin them. And because his rule-breaking shit is in effect, this weird thing happens where basically they split the Doctor into two because the rules are all fluid and weird. But how did David Tennant Doctor know that he needed to be pulled? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm not just rocking up to my mates being like, ooh, pull me. <laughs> so, look, if and when I get shot, Rad, if you are there, I am going to ask you to, you and us stranger to pull me in half and see what happens just in case just Just in in case case. yeah basically he stops and then he goes "Uh, this feels different Uh, i don't know how to explain it but just 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 pull and they pull and he splits in two and it's referred to as a bi-regeneration it's apparently this mythical time lord thing that's not meant to happen where you split in two so you are then two doctors it's the ultimate way of letting you have your cake and eat it too because one of the sad things about tenant leaving after three episodes is no more tenant now he gets to stay. Okay, I'm not caught up. I don't even know how or why Tennant is back. So that sure. already wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that we needed another <laughs> thing yeah. to explain why he can come back again. But this is something that has always actually mildly irritated me about Doctor Who. They make all of these rules, which they didn't have to do in the first place. Yeah. And then they go, oh, no, now something has happened that that rule doesn't apply anymore. Like, just <laughs> don't make the rule in the first place. It's literally your show. You're writing it. You don't have to write these rules in. Don't get me wrong. The regeneration thing's always been a bit of a sticky wicket. And successive showrunners have overly complicated it. In fact, last showrunner, Chris Chibnall established that the Doctor was not a Gallifreyan and the Doctor had infinite regenerations and that was wiped from their memory. The whole thing has gotten so messy. What this is a really neat way of doing is we're just going to like cut the ribbon here and everything before this weird bioregeneration is the old story. And we're going to start fresh with Shudy Gatwa's Doctor, with his 15th Doctor. So if you're new to the show, this would have been confusing as hell. It's still very good dynamic television. But the thing that people are reacting to more than this, the thing that's upset the internet even more than this, is the day after reveal of his new sonic screwdriver, which 
sucks. Remember those early 2000s TV remotes, the big kind of Coke bottle shaped <laughs> asymmetrical ones with hundreds of buttons and a big curved top? You need to actually see it in order to, uh, yeah. So look up the 15th Doctor's uh, sonic screwdriver. <laughs> okay, it looks like a bop it. Bop it. Twist it. Pull it. Yes. Okay. That's the most accurate summary so far. Could you describe it for the listeners? <laughs> okay. Wait, let me, let me from, zoom in. Yeah, yeah. Apart from bad. No, I think apart from bop it, I'm not sure what to say. So it is kind of bean shaped and it's silver <laughs> yeah. uh, with what looks like the pull tab from a can, like a can of Coke stuck on the, to the top. Yeah. And then there's a uh, kind of green button in the middle where the bean... The bean waste, I would say, Please. where the bean waste is, uh, the, the narrowest part. And then down the bottom, that part of the bean is less engorged than the top part. Stop saying and engorged and bean. I said it once. <laughs> but it's echoing in my head. <laughs> um, and the bottom part is kind of yellow and blue. It's, look, mm. it's a whole thing. I mean, there is a circle in the middle with, uh, with Gallifreyan runes, which actually translate into a Rwandan proverb about words being mightier than, than violence. It's beautiful. And it, that's because um, Shudi Gatwa came from Rwanda and it's a really nice cultural nod. But it's not a great piece of design. And I think my concern is that that little dongle on the top looks like something a dad would use to hook the thing onto his cargo pants. It's not... <gasps> Right? Yes, I love a carabiner-ready sonic screwdriver. Yeah, or like something that, and like a novelty bottle opener, you get at one of those tobacconists next to the Jim Beam silk boxer <laughs> shorts. It doesn't look very current. It, it does not look expensive, I can say that much. However, I don't think sonic screwdrivers have ever looked expensive. They're all a bit shit. By the way, that bottom part, the uh, less engorged part of the beam, whoop, actually- Oh, so you're allowed to say it. It slides back in, so actually it's just like a circular th device in his hand. It looks much better when it's- um. Engorged. Anyway, that that is what's annoying people more than anything else is the design choices of the screwdriver. Honestly, if we can pivot to being mad at design choices and not the generalized befuddlement of how they choose to <laughs> explain stuff in that show. Don't get me wrong, it's a fun yeah. show, I like it, but I am just I get really irritated at how complicated they sometimes make things. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If the distraction is now screwdriver too engorged, that's fine by me. <laughs> well, I've, look, I have messaged Russell and said, could you please clarify some plot points for me? I'm not going to say the word engorged. I'm not going to ask him about the screwdriver, but I will continue to message Russell T. Davies <laughs> if I have the guts to keep doing that. I do want to apologize to you, Paul, for making fun of you earlier for how excited you were. Uh, about messaging Russell T Davies. I do think it's a little bit naff to be like, I'm messaging, but you know, I, I think that your excitement is a beautiful thing oh. and I'm sorry for teasing you. That's okay. We have to be able to make fun of each other sometimes. That's true. Although I am uh, peripherally aware that it's entirely possible that I'm DMing a bot that just is pretending to be <laughs> Russell T Davies. It's possible I've just been messaging a bot. I love that your conclusion is, could be messaging a bot, not I'm just in general getting catfished. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, if, if getting catfished will get me on the show catfish faster, then yeah, catfish me up. I mean, I have a huge crush on Cammy, so if they hit you up, you, you call me. I will. Yes, of course. I'll call you. How about you catfish me? Don't tell me. And then you can be on the show too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on this show. Do it. But if you are DMing a bot, potentially, this is just a segue. It's not going to, this isn't for real. Potentially, it could be Google's new mo- <laughs> Multimodal is such a f***ed up word to say. But if you are DMing a bot, potentially it could be Google's new AI, uh, which is called Gemini, and it's their freshly announced multimodal AI model. I hope that is the last time I have to say multimodal. Uh, Essentially, unlike most other AI models where it's like text to text or even just text to image, um, but it kind of does all its behind the scenes stuff just using images. Mm -hmm. Gemini apparently uses all of those different inputs at the same time together in the background to produce whatever it is they're producing. So they have this demonstration video which looks very impressive, but at the same time, I am such a skeptic when it comes to videos like that because there's yeah. so much that you can do with like editing and whatnot. But they do things like draw a little picture and it's very conversational with Gemini being like, oh, what's this picture? And he's like, a squiggly line. And then they keep drawing and they're like, it looks like a bird. And then they add water and they go, "There's the bird is swimming. It's a duck. So it it's showing kind of a lot more deductive reasoning perhaps than we're used to seeing in AI. Um, but it's a really big step into the space for Google, who, as we know, kind of big in the tech world, got a little <laughs> bit of money behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting and I suppose exciting that they're kind of releasing um, this, you know, first big product into the space, which they are claiming outperforms human experts on massive multitask language understanding. Do we want that? <laughs> <laughs> Broad question about AI. <laughs> Oh, I, I feel like that's a much bigger conversation of whether we want AI in general or not. But uh, Google are developing this with like a whole department about ethics and how they want the AI to be trained and how they uh, want to be looking out for offensive material, etc. But at the same time, the problem with AI is half the time it's being developed and doing things that we don't really understand. Yeah. Like it's it's just learning. Um, so. <laughs> To think that we can control it is uh, hopeful, but a lot of it does come down to the data sets that AI is taught on. Yeah. Um, I was about to say raised. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're not far off. Uh, I guess my concern is that they've allocated so much manpower and so much time and talent to all these different wings of the AI part and not enough people to naming the damn thing properly. <laughs> like, multimodal sucks. That's not, that's not. There's multiple modes. Yeah, but you don't, I'm trying to say that it should be easier to say. Oh, I feel like that's a failing of the English language and, and the way it sits in one's mouth, not the word multimodal itself. You can't admit weakness because the AI will see that as another reason to wipe us out one day. You need to pronounce the word better, if anything. Or it will take pity upon me. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how these movies go, okay? (laughs) Skynet are not keeping aboard the saddest people alive, okay? They're killing everyone. Everyone. No, they're going to see me and they're going to go, oh, poor Dumbo sweetie, and they're going to pick me up in their arms. Like, you know how you pick up a a baby and you like balance them on your forearm but you support the neck they'll pick me up like that and they'll just take me to a soft place but you say that it looked like you were cradling a plasma cannon not a baby (laughs) this is 
it all ends very badly. I, I've started doing this terrible thing where I'm like being more polite to computers now. I love the sentence, I've been doing this terrible thing where I've been being more polite. <laughs> like, damn, shorty. Not to people. Not to people. People, <laughs> people get the same level of the lack of civility. But honestly, when I leave a self-service checkout and it goes, thank you for shopping at blah, I go, thank you. I've started saying thank you just in case, just in case there's some sort of weird like Dropbox in a bunker <laughs> somewhere where they tally up all the times I was polite so that when the plasma cool. cannons get carted across the apocalyptic hellscape covered in human skulls, they go, that guy was nice to us once on a Tuesday. You sound like a boomer because <gasps> you, you, you're conflating any computer or yeah. mechanized thing mm. with AI. Like nobody is worried that your laptop, your inert laptop yeah. is going to be mad at you for not being more polite to it. It's mm. it's AI that is the Skynet worry. You say that, but when you look at hieroglyphs of, you know, uh, people being whipped to make pyramids, I don't want to be the one who was depicted in the hieroglyphs doing the whipping. You know, when they crack open the relics of old computers and find the different... <laughs> find the different word docs and go, that guy just seemed nice. And also, I just like staying in... You know what's funny? I feel more comfortable... This is telling. I feel more comfortable being nice to a machine than I do to some people. That's the problem here. It's not a boomer thing. It's a brain chemistry thing, I think. Is it? Is it because people have a higher chance of not being nice back? My father-in-law got a new iPhone and he started using Siri a lot. And true story, my mother-in-law doesn't like Siri. And we didn't know why until Kevin goes, hi, Siri, uh, can I ask you a question? And Siri goes, mm-hmm. And he continues, it's the most human, mm-hmm. And so we've started, we, we think she's jealous of Siri because he's programmed <laughs> Siri to be like a husky Australian woman because there were choices for different accents. And now he's talking to Siri like Siri and him have a bit of a thing going on. And I think maybe the phone's set to vibrate, if you get my drift. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think I don't think something is going on with Siri because I've tried flirting with Siri and she will not take the bait. Well, not yet, but maybe there's some sort of update on the way which will absolutely float our collective boats. <laughs> Look, when I use Siri on my watch, I will admit that I use a completely different tone than I do when using like a HomePod or my phone because I'll bring the watch really close to my mouth and be like, Hey Siri, set a timer for five minutes. No. <laughs> Stop. She's a, I'm sorry she's a... to anyone whose phone went off just then. Hey, Alexa, destroy house. And this is why we don't listen to podcasts on speaker. Do you think you could get a celebrity voice program for Siri or does Siri have to sound like a kind of non-person? I think that there's too much um, risk with having her sound like a celebrity because she's so powerful and she does so many things. It's the same conversation and I, I probably shouldn't be calling her she, but the default voice is feminine, but yeah. it's the same conversation that people have in regards to most smart assistants are by default female. Right. And it creates this kind of cognitive belief that women should serve. Uh, because you, you use them as assistants. You yeah. use them to do things for you. So I feel like if you're using that kind of mindset, the most celebrities probably also wouldn't want to be used mm. as the smart voice assistant. However, uh, are you familiar with the app Waze? No, I'm not. This isn't a jab, but it's probably because you don't drive because it's a like driving maps app. Yeah. Um, so it does your whole GPS thing, gives you directions, blah, blah, blah. But the voices that you can choose include some silly fun ones. 
And there's Christina Aguilera in there. I don't know if it's actually her. Uh, it sounds decently convincing. Is she singing or speaking? A little bit of both, because uh-huh. when there's a red light speed camera up ahead, she says, they're trying to do us dirty and not in a good way. <laughs> oh, well played. It's fun the first like eight times and after that it gets pretty annoying. Yeah, that sounds better than the entirety of the film Burlesque, which almost made my hair bleed. <laughs> Well, speaking of celebrities doing very odd things with technology, there's been a new report, Rad, released from Microsoft, which has laid out the past year's worth of activity in which Russia has used Cameo to wreak havoc and also make celebrities kind of participate in the conflict with the Ukraine. Are you, before we get to that, are you familiar with Cameo? Do you know what Cameo is? Uh, Yeah, isn't it? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Isn't it that app where uh, celebrities can sign up and they like have a profile or whatever and you can bid or just straight out purchase messages from them and they record messages saying like, happy birthday, Stephen. We're so proud of you. Yeah. Congrats and it's on graduating. <laughs> it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it is at once a really cool thing for actors to do during things like the strikes or during COVID. It is also the most deeply tragic thing you've ever seen when star quarterbacks who've fallen out of favor are doing birthday messages for 15 USD in a hotel room with bad lighting in their underwear. Like it's, <laughs> it gets pretty real, uh, cameo, but cameo has been drawn into this weird conflict because, um, pro Russian actors by which I mean uh, people working for the Russian government, have been paying uh, American performers and actors and athletes and whatnot to do messages to their friend Vladimir, who's going through some rough times because he's trying to quit drinking. So you've got people like Elijah Wood, Priscilla Presley, uh, Mike Tyson did one, going, hey, Vladimir, I need you to kind of get your shit together, buddy. You really got it. And then what they're doing is they're editing, creatively editing them and putting on hashtags and tagging Vladimir Zelensky, the leader of the Ukrainian government, to make it seem like he's got a drinking problem. It is bananas. Oh my gosh. So it's it's obviously kind of like a social media campaign that they're doing, yeah. um, almost like a smear campaign. Mm. But is the implication that people are going to see this and truly believe that like Elijah Wood is tight with the leader of the Ukraine? <laughs> like, I mean, is that what we're supposed to take away from that? Yeah, it's not outside the realm of possibility, there's been a litany of celebrities who've gone across to show support in person. Like Mark Hamill went across and told them they were the actual rebellion. You know, Bono went. All kinds of celebrities have gone across. So when you have a celebrity doing a cameo and you edit carefully and you put like a watermark from TMZ on there so it looks like a US-based story and you put it just on Russian state-sponsored media outlets, if you're a Russian who's already been a little bit brainwashed, you're like, oh my God, the, the, the famous buddies of Zelensky are, are begging him to stop, you know, substance abuse. It just contributes to the sort of general weirdness of this whole campaign. So it's mostly being shown to Russians. Yes, that's right. This, this shit is not flying with uh, with the West, but Elijah Wood and his people have reached out and said, this is not legit. Cameo is sort of a wild West in this way. You can pay people to say not anything, but pretty much anything. What I'm hearing is yep. that we should jump on Cameo and get someone famous to say, I endorse Game for Anything. I think you should listen to them. And we should just start posting them around. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Some people, the people that are worth getting cost a lot of money. But someone I wanted to talk to you about very briefly is that, are you familiar with a band called Sugar Ray? Yes. So Sugar Ray Frontman, Mark McGrath, has been uh, used by a bunch of people on Cameo to break up with other people. <laughs> 
Why? Why Appa- him? Is he a good breaker-upper? I'm assuming so. So he charges 90 USD for his messages, right? Which is, you know, it's it's not nothing, but it's it's on the affordable end of uh, of cameos. If Mark from Sugar Ray gets on my phone and tells me that it's over, I'm I'm going to be pretty upset. Do people know that breaking up with someone is actually free? Like, if you just do it yourself, it does not cost 90 US dollars. I think what they're hoping is the novelty, they want the novelty to outweigh the tragedy. I just want to throw my hat in the ring here and say that if anyone wants to pay me money to break up with your spouse for you, I'll do it. And I, I can be nice or I can be mean, whichever you like. How much money would you accept for a breakup? 90 US dollars. That's going great. <laughs> Judging Sugar Ray bucks. Oh. <laughs> That's great. I mean, okay. So that's your shout out. You will break up with people for money. My uh, recommendation is shut the app, babe. Don't say a word. (laughs) And you know what? We also have no more words to say because we're we're done with this episode of Game for Anything. (laughs) Thank you so much for hanging out with us, folks. Don't say words. Don't say words, Paul. Ah, We're done.